Welcome to the Neuropedic Sports Rehab Podcast. I'm your host, Ramez Antoon, but please call me Mez. I'm a physical therapist and a strength coach. And in this show, we talk about the continuum of clinical practice to getting back to training in the gym. We focus on sustainable performance and longevity. I'd like to thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy our show. Before we start, if you're a sports PT interested in a virtual mentorship, make sure you stick around for after the episode. We have more details about our 12-week mentorship program that we've been getting awesome feedback from our students. Also, if you like to consume content by reading, we drop a weekly newsletter every Friday morning with free sports rehab and fitness content. So if you're interested, make sure you check out the episode description where we have a link to sign up for our weekly newsletter. All right, without further delay, let's get into today's episode. So in this episode today, I share with you a story about a patient that I treated in my acute neuro residency who had a brain tumor. We were working on balance reactions for a sit to stand. And in this episode, I dive into the paradigm shift that one of my mentors helped me gain with respect to inputs influencing outputs with respect to motor control. You know, oftentimes in an orthopedic and sports medicine setting, we can perseverate on outputs or the movement that we want to train, but it can be very helpful many times to step back and look at sensory inputs. And this was one of the paradigm shifts that I gained from this clinical case. So I share with you guys some actionable steps that we can implement into our own orthopedic practice and some of the insights that I got from one of my valuable mentors from my acute rehab. I hope you find this episode useful. And now without further ado, let's get into it. So I was six months into my acute neuro residency out in Vallejo, California at Kaiser Permanente. I was treating this patient who had a brain tumor and who was legally blind. And I remember this one treatment session, we were trying to work on his sit to stance because this patient kept falling backwards every time he tried to stand up. So that was one of the biggest functional tasks that we were working on. And time and time again, trying to get him to sit to stand, he kept hyperextending his knees to stabilize himself against the the mat and I was just getting nowhere. I had tried everything I had learned up until that point. Then my mentor, Erwin, walks over and he takes me to the side and he says, Mez, are you looking at his ankles while he's trying to sit and stand? I said, what do you mean? He's like, well, he's not really demonstrating an ankle strategy at all. You can't even see his, his anterior tibs are not even engaged. Have you tried mobilizing his ankles, his talocrotal joint? I was like, what? This is, this is a neuro patient, bro. <laughs> and I remember Erwin looking at me and saying, you can't treat a neuro patient without considering the orthopedic system. How can he, how can he balance if his ankle strategies aren't even helping him? My mind literally blew in that moment and like melted through my frame and magnum. And then Erwin said, if we're treating the sensory motor system and we want his, he can't use his vision. Let's just put that out there. So 
one of the fundamentals for balance reactions or the first step for a balance reaction is the ankle strategy. And he's not demonstrating an ankle strategy. He's immediately going into a hip strategy as soon as he tries to stand and then he falls over. So let's try to mobilize his tail curl joint with some posterior mobs, some good old fashioned orthopedic manual therapy. And then let's get back into what you're doing from a neuro standpoint for sit to stands. And let's see if it sticks. So we got him down, we got him up against the, the table, strapped down his tibia, mobilized the tail curl joint. Erwin got him back up, had me do everything I was just doing before. And immediately you see his ankles go into a ankle strategy. So you can see the anterior tib and the long extensors of the toes pop up out of the skin. And he fell over the second time, or the first time, but the second time, he actually went into this ankle strategy, went into a hip strategy, and actually righted himself and didn't fall back. And in that moment, I realized, oh my God, this is the, the intersection of neuro and orthopedics. I was only treating using neuro-based techniques, doing some pelvic patterns at the edge of the table and trying to get him to weight shift and all of the neuro stuff, but it wasn't until Irwin brought to my attention that if he, if this guy can't even perceive where his ankles are in space, he's not gonna get a reflex balance reaction and demonstrate an ankle strategy. So this, this story really taught me a very fundamental lesson that if we're looking at motor control, if we're looking at balance, if we're looking at upright postural control, we have to appreciate that inputs influences our outputs. I was simply perseverating on the output, his balance reactions, but I didn't take a step back and take a look at if he was actually getting appropriate inputs from one of the first defense mechanisms for balance, his ankles. So it was in that moment that I realized, okay, if input, if motor control is defined as input, comes into the central nervous system, is processed and then gives us an output, then ah, mobility is our inputs. That gets processed for proprioceptive reasons and then we get an output, AKA balance. So reflex balance reactions, in order for us to get reflex ankle and hip strategies from a balance standpoint, the ankles and the hips have to communicate to the central nervous system and the only way that they can communicate to the central nervous system is by having prerequisite mobility so that the mechanoreceptors can actually tell the central nervous system where they are in space for proper feedback and feed forward mechanisms when it comes to balance. So some actionable steps that I tend to think about when I'm working with my athletes or with my orthopedic clients now is I observe their ankle reactions when we're doing some type of closed chain upright activities. So for example, if I have these individuals in a modified Romberg or in a Romberg or an asymmetrical stance position, I make sure that I have their socks and shoes off so that I can observe if there's any activity going on at the ankle joint. And then I may perturb them in some way. So I, one of my favorite things to do is to tie a band around the pelvis, right? And I, I'm looking at anterior and posterior perturbations using a band and I'm creating variability within the band so that I 
displace their center of mass and watch what are their balance reactions? What are their automatic postural reactions? Do they immediately go into a hip strategy? Do they demonstrate some type of ankle strategy? And I like thinking about the, the band vector in terms of a clock. So right in front of the client is 12 o'clock, right behind the client is six o'clock, to the left is nine, and to the right is three o'clock. I'll go around the clock and give them different perturbations to see, am I getting any type of ankle reaction? If I'm not, then I immediately consider, okay, what kind of ankle mobility techniques can I use, whether that be soft, soft tissue or joint, to stimulate the mechanoreceptors in that area, to optimize some sensory input so that we can get more reflex balance reactions from this individual. Now I've used this with individuals with knee pain, uh, chronic ankle sprains, especially if there's a clear mobility deficit at the ankle to really stimulate the capsule and get that sensory information back online. After which I'll revisit some of the balance reactions. So get them on the table, mobilize, do some type of self mobilization drill with the client and then come back to upright postures and observe their reflex balance reactions. Oftentimes what I'm experiencing is these individuals after some mobilization at the ankle joint, the balance reactions are better. They're a lot more automatic and the patient even perceives a considerable difference in their ability to react and keep themselves upright, especially in single leg stance. So the lesson learned here is when we're thinking about balance or when we're thinking about quote unquote output, we have to consider input. Is the sensory motor system getting adequate sensory information from the periphery for appropriate proprioceptive knowledge so that motor planning and motor control can be optimized? Many times we perseverate on output in the orthopedic clinic and in sports medicine. I, I mean, I did before Irwin gave me this paradigm shift. And now I can't help but always think, is the individual getting appropriate sensory input? Mobility is absolutely a prerequisite to reflex balance reactions, a reflex stabilization. If we address it, revisit balance, revisit output, typically, we see some change. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you again for joining us. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at remez at neuropedicspt.com. And until next time, have an awesome rest of your day. But I want to let you know about our foundation's mentorship program. This is a 12-week program designed for orthopedic and sports physical therapists interested in better understanding how various motor control and neuromuscular rehab models can be integrated into any practice, making you a well-rounded therapist while improving outcomes. With the various motor control perspectives available to us today, oftentimes we can be left feeling confused, not knowing who to listen to and which course to take next. We know what it feels like to take a weekend course and feel like you have to choose between one approach or another, but it doesn't have to be that way. What if a certain depth of understanding and various models brought us some clarity, cognitive agility, and creativity into our clinical practice? That's our goal with this 12-week program. 
We'll dive deep into five of the foundational systems of motor control, like the reflex model and the dynamic systems model. We'll dissect each model's strengths and weaknesses to see how each model may complement one another through synergy. Here's what you'll get through this 12-week program. You'll get home study content, which will consist of PowerPoint audio lectures. You'll get one-on-one -on -one mentoring calls for an hour a week where we dissect practical case study examples from your current caseload so you can apply the content to your clients right away. We'll also have plenty of time for Q&A so you can get a deeper understanding of the home study material. Here's what you will not get from this program. We're not offering new techniques or fancy exercises, and we're not promoting new assessment or evaluation strategies. And rather than bashing other systems, we'll be taking a different approach towards motor control, an inside-out approach where we start with our why and our beliefs and values. If you're interested in learning more about this 12-week mentorship program, please email us at neuropedicspt at gmail.com. We're now offering free discovery calls so you can learn more about what we have to offer. And now, without further delay, let's dive into today's episode.